in Scotland, maybe more than in England, you were brought up with football. Football was everything. There was nothing else for you as a kid, you know, if you were brought up in a working class community, football was a be all and end, end all. You support Rangers, you support Celtic when you were in Glasgow. And you're steeped in football. If you're going into management, you've got to love football because there's a lot of stuff goes on around about it that could take away from that. But basically, you, you love the game, you love being involved in it. I think Scottish managers have got that. And I like that to maybe a bit of uh, working class grit and determination. And I think that that has seen a lot of them through. Welcome to the latest official Everton podcast. For this episode, we are celebrating what would have been the 75th birthday of our former manager, Walter Smith. Dave Prentice, Jimmy Martin and myself, Dan Griffiths, had the immense pleasure to know Walter personally and we all felt the pain of his tragic passing in October 2021. Preno, you got to know Walter very well through obviously your work for the Liverpool Echo during his tenure and it was such a shock because he was always... He was a handsome man, a fit-looking man, wasn't yeah. he? A well-looking man. You said, uh, you know, the immense pleasure to know him. And it was, you know, I was a professional journalist at the time, but I don't mind saying that I loved Walter. You know, genuinely loved him. He was a, a great, great fella. Uh, got to know him really well, because uh, we that day we were coming to Belfield every single day, mm. probably twice a day sometimes. And uh, he'd ring you out of hours, and, you know, so, you know, it's just to try and influence stuff you're writing in the paper. And... Um, you know, I kept in touch after he left the club, not as much as maybe I should have done. And uh, you're talking about the shock there because it was really poignant for me that the day that we played at Anfield in, uh, was it Feb 2021, the last time we won there, and I'd not heard from him for a long time. And I just got a text message out of the blue and it was, Prentice, grand old team to report, Celtic title for your book, poor choice with loads of like <laughs> laughing emojis and so you know, I just started laughing so I rang him back and I said uh, I said this is an omen this I said we're playing at Anfield tonight I said you're the last gaffer to win there 1999 you know this is an omen mm-hmm. and it was sure enough we know what happened you know so we did go and win there yeah, yeah. and so I sent him a message again you know saying this is down to you this and uh, about three weeks later I got the news that he'd had an operation, you know, a serious operation. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. realise how bad it was. And so again, I sent him probably quite a cheesy message just saying, oh, get well soon, mate. Me and Joycey, Paul Joycey used to work for the Daily Post. Pair was like Batman and Robin with, you know, sort of Mulder and Archie. And um, he said, we've got to get up and see you. Got to get up and see you, you know, so sometime soon. And that was the last time I had any like correspondence with him. Mm-hmm. It was only a few months later that he passed away. So yeah, you're right. It was a huge shock because he always looked so robust, so handsome, like you say, mm-hmm. always immaculately turned out. He's always had that little twinkle in his eye. And it was, it was uh, incredibly painful. Very bad. don't mind admitting that I shed a few tears that day. I think a lot of people yeah. did. Jimmy, you were obviously here at Belfield the very first day that Walter walked through the door. Was that the first time you met him? Uh, it's the first time I, I knew the kit man at, uh, at Rangers, Jimmy Bell. I knew him very well. Spoke to him for a few years before Walter and Archie actually got the job, but the first day they walked through the door, never met him in my life, and uh, Archie looked at Walter and Walter went, you're in my office in 10 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> thinking you're going to get... Quite well, doesn't you it? think you're going to get the sack. <laughs> you think you're going to get the sack, you know, and the next thing you go up <laughs> 10 minutes later, Archie's sitting on the big long chair that were in our old uh, office. Yeah. Walter's sitting behind his desk with his arms folded because that was a normal thing he used to do. And he gave me a sheet of paper and a pen, and he went, write down all the horrors <laughs> on that paper. <laughs> so I'm writing down all the horrors, by the way, and I turned the page over and Archie went, Walter, he's turning the page off, look, there must be a lot of them here. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was character. And about two and a half years after, he patted me on the back, he went, just got rid of your last horror. They were spot on. <laughs> That's what they were like. They yeah. were they were just a dub. They were a dub like to me. Oh, yeah, they were. I mean, yeah. sometimes it was good cop, bad cop. Some days it was bad cop, worse cop, wasn't yeah. it? And you must have been on the end of a one or two ticking offs over the years, Dave. Yeah, quite a few. Although to be fair, never normally directed at me. But I mean, the angriest I've ever seen Walter was uh, the morning after you know the famous, infamous Duncan incident when he was sold to Newcastle. Yeah. You know, behind his back. And um, I'd gone down in the morning to see him and uh, I'd come straight from our news desk and said, look, I'm sorry, Walter, but our news desk don't believe it. What do you mean they don't believe it? So they don't believe that you couldn't have been aware that Duncan was sold. You must have known. You're the manager of the football club. And I, I can't use the language on this podcast <laughs> that he used then. You're sitting there. You're not going to leave until you've heard that. 
should I politely say, individual concern to tell you that I knew nothing about it. And so, first of all, he rings uh, the, the chairman's mobile. Couldn't get hold of him. Peter he rings Johnson. His, yeah, Peter Johnson. He rings his, uh, rings his um, house phone. He's not answering. You sit there. He rings his yacht. You sit there. And he's getting angrier and angrier. And he's shouting and screaming. And the phone's getting slammed down. And so in the end, I said, Walter, Walter, I believe you. I believe you. I'll go back and I'll tell them. So fortunately, it wasn't directed at me. But yeah, I got the impression that, yeah, you know, if you're on the receiving end of it, oh, God, you'd know about it. Did you see him lose his temper often, Jimmy? Oh, loads of times. <laughs> more, more Archie than Walter. Yeah. Walter was more placid than Archie. Well, if Archie kicked off, he kicked off. Yeah. Walter even wanted to win the pre-season kickabouts, didn't he? Didn't, he didn't like losing those. Wasn't there a game where he, he lost his temper at half-time? Again, and it was a kick, basically a kickabout. Well, we were in Belgium uh, playing. Uh, it's like a pub team. It was like a school park where we played. And uh, we were getting beat 1-0 at half-time. And Walter said, right, everybody in the centre circle. So we all had to sit in the centre circle. All of pitch. you? All of us, all the staff, all the players, a lot of us. So and he got into them. He absolutely ripped up to bits. And second half, we won 5-1. <laughs> and that was how good it was. No, I remember that incident, because uh, I was over there like reporting on it. A team called VV Una, it was. And yeah. they were basically a pub team. And uh, yeah, second half was like a team transformed. But I also remember that day that Walter had gone down uh, it might have been a half time maybe he'd realised like the, the fans who travelled over had to endure such a poor display that he just gave a load of money you know so over the uh, you know sort of the barrier and says go and get beer for all the lads and uh, all the fans bought them all beer wow. <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was great well Davey Weir played for Walter Smith with Everton of course also with Glasgow Rangers and at international level with Scotland Davey Weir and Walter Smith go back a long way I can remember playing against Walter, you know, when I was a Falkirk player and then a Hearts player. So, and obviously I would go and watch Walter's teams, you know, as a fan, a Rangers fan. So physically meeting them, I'd, I would have met him in, in games and stuff. But the first time I spent any time with him was when I signed for Everton. And, and he actually, I met him in Glasgow and we drove down to Liverpool together. Not sure why we did that, but we drove down together. So he drove me down. So I had a few hours in the car with him. So he was a hero of mine, to be honest. So it was for me, it was, it was amazing. I was, I was nervous, but also excited just to, to spend some time with him. Obviously, you spent a lot of time at Everton and got a lot of affection for the club. But with all due respect, was it a case of you signing for Walter Smith more than signing for Everton at the time? Would you say? I think that's fair. I think I knew Everton were a great club. I didn't know how great a club Everton were until I came down and experienced it. I wanted to come to England, and the fact that Walter had gone there. Great, gave me a lot of confidence that it would have been a good place to, to be. Um, but I think it's a fair point. I think I wouldn't have signed for any club, you know, clearly that's, you know, I was, I could be picky, I think. I, was, I wasn't desperate to leave. I was really keen to go to England and, and experience that. But the fact Walter was there definitely made that decision easier. He liked having experienced players in the dressing room, Walter, didn't he? He wasn't afraid of players who could stand up for themselves and, and maybe give a little bit back. I think he enjoyed it. I think he treated you like an adult and he expected you to behave like an adult. And, um, you know, I saw that later in my career when I was that experienced player, that older player, you know, when I was playing in, in the Rangers teams that, that he managed me under. And, you know, I was I became that guy that maybe the dressing room I went in where we had Dave Watson, we had Richard Goff, we had, you know, real senior players. And, um, yeah, like you say, I think he, as long as you've got the right ones and, you know, undoubtedly he'd get respect from those guys because of how he was and how he treated them. And he, des he expected and deserved it back. He could lose it from time to time, didn't he? Did you ever, you must have seen him blow his top a few times in the dressing room? Yeah, I did. And you, the, the magic that Walter had is you never quite knew when he was going to do it. And sometimes <laughs> when you expected it, you didn't get it. And then as I got to know more, he, he did it. You know, he did it for a reason. There was always a reason. It was never, it was never anger. It was never always anger. Anyway, I should say there was always a. If he thought it was the right thing to do, then he would do it. But he wasn't indiscriminate in terms of losing his his temper, and um, he was very controlled, very calculated, and very clever. So he he used it as a tool to motivate and to 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 make a point. Did he tend to leave that to Archie? Archie was just he, he was the opposite. <laughs> he, was just, he was just angry all the time. Yeah, Archie. First day of pre-season, Archie would be nicest, calmest guy. 
uh, on the planet. And then day by day, it just got slightly more angry until the end of the season. <laughs> Walter was a great manager for his country as well, wasn't he? The Scotland international yeah. side was he? Was he? Was he much of a different manager at Scotland than he had been at Everton, in your opinion? Yeah, very much so. He was. I mean, it's all circumstance when. He got the Scotland job. It had been a real disappointing period for Scotland. We had um, Bertie Votes had been the manager. Country was in chaos, to be honest. There was no real unity. Players didn't want to turn up, to be honest, was the, the biggest thing. So it just made it fun, was the was the reality. Um, I'd actually retired from international football, and he asked me to come back, which was, you know, hindsight. And, and looking back now, it was a great thing for me. So I obviously... Um, owe Walter a lot but that's another thing I owe him for for giving me the opportunity to to come back into the international scene so we actually had our first gathering on Walter's um, you know when he was appointed Scotland's manager we had our first gathering at Mottram Hall and you know just in Manchester and the, he named a squad um, and we pitched up at Mottram Hall for a training camp um, and I think they forgot the balls so <laughs> just enjoyed yourselves intentionally yeah so we just enjoyed ourselves for a couple of days and that that you know as again just doing the right thing at the right time mm. that was Walter's way of saying look if you don't want to be here no problem just let me know I won't make a song or dance of it um, you know but just let me know you're the best players in the country I want you to be with me if you don't want to be here let me know and you won't be here he says but if you do want to be here you know it's going to be good we're going to be successful and you're going to enjoy it and that's what we did do you think it was brave of Walter to go back to Glasgow Rangers after the Scotland job? Because had he not been successful, it, it might have damaged his earlier legacy. Yeah, definitely. And also what he left at Scotland. We were we were in a really good period. We had an opportunity to qualify for a major tournament, which we hadn't done for a long time. We were mid-campaign, you know, in terms of um in a really challenging group, but we'd had a you know a really good start and he was giving up something to go back. And as you say, his legacy at Rangers was, although he, you know, he would say he wanted to complete 10 in a row and it never quite happened. And he lost in the Scottish Cup final in his last game. I was actually playing for Harps in the opposition that day. So he probably thought, you know, he wanted to go back and end on a high. And, you know, he certainly did that by mm. going back. And I was part, fortunate enough to be part of that. And the last day when we won the league, for the third time, actually, down at Kilmarnock in his last game as Rangers manager. So it was really fitting then to, to him going back. But no, undoubtedly, he did um, take a chance going back. I had the uh, the absolute privilege to represent the football club at Walters Memorial Service in Glasgow. And the turnout, it was just the great and the good of football. It was it was nothing, nothing less than, than he deserved, was it? No, it wasn't. And it was, you know, in the cathedral in Glasgow. And I think that's befitting of him in terms of, you know, what Glasgow's like. It's it's partisan. It's you're either one or the other. It's, you know, it's blue and green. It's, um, you know, there's religious element to it and stuff. But Walter just superseded all of that. And I think mm. that day reflected that. I was, you know, I was also, he's, you know, the smaller, sorry, more private ceremony that we had just before that and you know again it was the great and the good that were there a much smaller occasion but the you know the the actual celebration of his life was amazing it was an amazing thing and and as you said completely um, befitting of of the man just finally dave as we said before the difficult circumstances for walter at everton football club but not once after he left goodison park did you hear walter smith utter one bad word about everton football club no, I never, I think, and that that's the nature of the man. And I think, I don't think there's one person at Everton Football Club that could, you know, without a bad word about him as well. You know, I mean, you were there, Dan, and I know people, you know, we worked with him, we were around about him. Still, you know, when um, when I went back to coaching, when I go back, um, whenever it is, still I've got fond memories of how he was as a person, how he conducted himself, and you know, what was going on around about him and how he handled that. So, as you say, he never said a bad word about Evan, but I also think nobody Evan would say a bad word about him. Breno mentioned Walter buying drink for the fans there, Jimmy, which was pure Walter, but he also looked after the staff, didn't he, Walter, when the time was right? He was he was absolutely brilliant with staff. He was, he was like a father to us. He uh, he just, everywhere we used to go, everybody went, where you were the cleaner, where you were in the kitchen, where you were the groundsman. 
If we had a night out, everybody went together. He made everybody stick together. But Belfield was that kind of building. Mm. It was like going from home to home. Sometimes you didn't even want to go home. It was, you know, it was that good, you know what I mean? I was going to say, when Walter was here, you, 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 I, I was there myself at Belfield, you used to look forward to coming in every day, didn't you? Every day. Yeah, I had the keys to Belfield. Most of the staff had the keys. They just let yourself in and let yourself out. But we used to play at Dennis in the afternoons. Every day we play at Dennis in the afternoon. Mm. And Walter, to be honest with you, was the biggest cheat. I thought Howard <laughs> was bad, but Walter and Archie were worse. <laughs> well, Richard Goff knew Walter Smith as well as anyone. And when I spoke to Goffy recently, he recalled the first time that he met the man who became his very close friend. Yeah, I can. I, I came over to, to Scotland in about February 1980. And um, I had a trial at Rangers, which uh, never went too well. Well... It went well for me, but they, they said that a lot of players in my position, blah, blah, blah. And then I had another trial up at Dundee United and I played um, a reserve game with Walter uh, alongside me at Dundee United just for 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 reserve game. He was still playing in the reserves at the time. Because I'm thinking I'm Walter would have been, what, 75, so I'm coming up on 61. So um, he would have been... I would have been eight, 17, and he must have been about 33 or something, 34, mm. you know. So played that game and then got signed right after the game, um, Jim McLean. And uh, that was the beginning of a, a, a long friendship. And funny enough, that first season, that, the, that little bit I was there, I stayed with a friend of my father in, in Dundee, and Walter picked me up every day. When I got, when I got a, my first house, he came in and put the. He was a. Uh, he came in and put my my cooker in and my washing <laughs> machines in that because he could do all that stuff. I I couldn't do any of that stuff, you know. When Walter was the manager of the Glasgow Rangers and he won all the trophies, what 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 do you think motivated him? Because Rangers won trophies year in year out, and yet Walter seemed so driven to win more. I think the main thing, one of the main things, was he was a Rangers supporter as a kid. Um, he knew that he knew that um, what was needed at the football club, and we, we were at a period at that time that we could attract really good players. But I think he just understood the club. I, I think you know to 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 manage Rangers, to manage any of the big clubs. Yeah, I think you have to understand the the background of everything, and 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 he understood that. And plus, he was allowed to buy. You know, good players. We've got the likes of Brian Ladrupin. We've got the likes of uh, Paul Gascoigne coming in. So we had a lot of good players coming into the the, the team at, the, at that time. He wasn't afraid to sign big characters either, was he? Because he knew that himself, between him, himself and Archie could handle them. You, you know, your you Richard Goffs, your Coisties, your Durantes, your, 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 your Gazers. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and it was. It was, um, it was a very mixed dressing room. And he, and he was good. He was very good. You know, with all them. I mean, I like uh, Graham Sooner signed me, and I, I loved playing for Graham. He was my type of manager. He was very straight on, you know. But I think he he could put a lot of uh, noses out of joint. Walter was Walter was just a bit more subtle in the way he did it. You know, he could help. He could he, he handled all the characters, um, uh, you know, in, in a certain way that no one really wanted to let him down. Type of thing, you know. It was he was just a he was just a good man, and um, that came across. You know, he was he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't. Um, I never saw him struggle in any dressing room. You know, I mean, I was with him before for my twenty year career. I was with him for about nineteen years, and he never, you know, he always had the respect, the total respect of the dressing room. He was certainly no soft touch, though, was he? He could uh, he could lose it when it needed to be lost. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's a, it's a bit like the Ferguson and Archie Knox, and same with Walter, and um, you know it was, it was bad cop, bad cop a lot of the time. You know it was, uh, you know everyone thought Archie was the bad one, but with, if Walter lost it, and he didn't lose it that many times, to be fair, but when he did, it wasn't a it wasn't a pretty sight either. You know, so um, yeah, so it, uh, a, a good team, the two of them. When you came to Everton, Richard, did you yes. effectively sign for Walter Smith rather than sign for Everton, if you see what I mean? Yeah, in a lot of ways, yes, because um, in a lot of ways, 
because uh, I was, I'd had the five or six games at Nottingham Forest at the end of that um, 99 season. Um, and I was going to sign for West Ham. Harry Redman wanted me, he said, I've got a kid there here, Goffey, that if you if you play with him for a couple of years or, you know, he'll go on and do very well. And the, the, the boy was uh, Rio Ferdinand at um, yeah. West Ham at the time. And Redknapp was known to sign experienced players and come into his team, you know, like the likes of Stuart Pierce and stuff like that, you know. So, um, you know, I said, yeah, that would be that would be brilliant, Harry. And then I, I actually called Walter up to to ask him about what what wages I should ask for or something. And he said, well, you're not going to stay. You know, you're not you're not going to play. You know, you know. So he says, if you if you if you're going to play, if you're going to sign another contract, because he thought I was going to go back to America because I'd been offered a American under twenty job or something. So he he thought I would go back there, but he said, if you're going to play, uh, Richard, then he said I would love you to play here. You know, so I went. It was a no-brainer. Then I had to phone mm. Harry Redknapp up. You know, and and Harry Redknapp. As soon as I said there was another Premier League team involved, he said it's Walter Smith, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I went, yeah, it is Harry. He says, well, you've worked together. You've you've worked together your whole career. So he says, uh, he says, I knew. He says, I was surprised he hadn't even come in for you. I said, I don't <laughs> think he thought I was going to stay, Harry. You know, so um, no. So yeah, once once. Uh, once Walter you know, made it known that he wanted to near Everton. And the only problem I had was, I said, look, you've got David Watson at Everton. He's very similar to myself. Brilliant, brilliant player, brilliant character, you know. And um, and he said, Goffey, he's going to must, must probably come. He's got a bad knee. He's going to must probably come on the, the coaching side of things more and more, you know. So... Although we started off the season together, myself mm. and Waggy, you know, against Man United, that just won the the treble in the Champions League, so that was a good start for us. It was a different challenge for Walter at Everton than it had been at, at Ibrox with Glasgow Rangers. Was he a different manager? Did you notice a difference in him, Richard, when you came to Goodison? Um, yes, I think we just because we, you know, I think you know, at, at Rangers was we were we were so. Um, uh, we had to win every game. You know, it was one of those, uh, if you didn't win a game or if you if you lost a couple on the trot, you, you know, the manager was in trouble, the team was in trouble. You know, so it was a different, it was a different circumstance. You know, but I thought he handled it very well with the, with the, you know, there was a lot of players that were sold from, from underneath him. Duncan Ferguson, I think, mm. was sold, you know, just the year before I got there. Um, you know, so I think, he, yeah, he had to, I think he can, I think you just had to handle it. What, how you, um, you know, with the players that you've got at your disposal, and I think you did that well because you know that that first season, I I thought we we had a we had a pretty solid team. We had a we had a good we had a good um, we had a good back four, good midfield. Mm. You know, we had players Barmby, we had Hutchinson, Johnny Collins, you know, Pembridges. You know, we had we had good players, and up front we had. I can remember uh, very well we had Kevin Campbell and and Franny Jeffers. Yeah, and Franny Jeffers was on fire at that time. You know, he was. You know, I think he he went to Arsenal just not long after that. You know, for about ten million pound. And so yeah, we had a we had a good team. We went my my eighth game or seventh or eighth game. Um, we went to Anfield and won. It was a really enjoyable experience. I know you kept in touch with Walter long after you'd finished playing yourself, Richard. In fact, you, you kept in touch with Walter right until the end, didn't you? Yes. Um, even ugh, I was talking to my wife about it the other day. Even like my wife said, it still it feels like he's away on holiday. Mm. You know, it doesn't feel like he's um, he's uh, like he's gone type thing. You know, he's just he's, his presence is still there. No, but I, th- I think Walter always had an effect on people and a good influence on people. You know, if if you met him, you know, I think he, yeah, he was a special person. What a signing Richard Goff was, Jimmy. Nobody yeah. else other than Walter Smith, I don't think, would have signed Richard Goff. But he was such a such an impressive figure on, and and you'll know better than us, and off the pitch. I mean, if you see some of the players that Walter signed, especially from Rangers. 
they were good players. I mean, the money that Walter had to spend and the team what he built, he done brilliant. You know, but he brought right good players with good attitudes, characters. He brought the yeah. right characters, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were, they were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What are your recollections of the night that Duncan was so behind his back to Newcastle? <laughs> I remember it quite clearly, to be honest, because it was so surreal. Um, we'd beaten Newcastle 1 0. Uh, Duncan hadn't played. And I remember like doing what I had to do and going back home to Formby. And I was in the Crosshouse pub in Formby with Unzi. Uh, we'd gone for like a pint after the game. I think Michael Ball might have been with us as well. He'd scored the winning penalty that night. And um, I got a phone call uh, from an Everson fan. Where are you? It's all going off here. What do you mean it's all going off? You know, so I'm at Goodison, Duncan's being sold. So I look at Unzi, he says, Duncan's being sold. He's like, short news to me. He says, I don't know anything about it. No one knew anything about it. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'll try and find out. Anyway, it transpired that he had been sold. So, but without the manager's knowledge. And so I went in the following day and, uh, you know, Walter was absolutely incandescent, you know, so, as I've said. Uh, that started a very, very long and, shall I politely say, turbulent <laughs> week. Yeah. And uh, Walter threatened to quit and it wasn't an idle, idle threat. Mm. You know, so if the chairman hadn't come out and gone public on the fact that, you know, he hadn't told the manager about what he was planning to do I think he would have walked away in the end it was the chairman that ended up walking away mm. and uh, it was we met at Charlton you know so at the end of that, of that week and one two one and it was it yeah. was like it was a surreal time absolutely surreal Jimmy Walter just didn't look after the staff he looked after the staff family as well yourself and your wife got to know yeah, Walter and Ethel he'd say right Martin the weekend Martin <laughs> is that what he called you he said right Martin the weekend we're off he said so me you Archie, Janice, Ethel, Ma and Mary were all going out for the weekend. And wow. we go to a nice restaurant in uh, Liverpool or Manchester. And he'd sort the bill out and everything. He was just he was just a top man, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy going to Will Choco? Loved it. It was the best place you could ever go for pre-season. Right from day one, it was just hilarious. We used to have this bus driver who used to go around the mountain and blow the horns. Well, so you had to go up the mountain side <laughs> to the yeah. training ground, yeah. didn't you? On a yeah. coach because it was so steep. Yeah, yeah. I remember Archie sitting in the car. We used to go up first. Me and Archie would go up first in the morning and we'd, the car was parked behind the bus and the bus started to move back <laughs> and it nearly hit Archie on the side of the car. <laughs> I've never laughed as much in my life. I'll tell you what, for a journalist to be over there was something else. I mean, yeah. the first time we went... Because in the area when you could mix with the players a bit more freely than maybe, you know, so you can do these days. And so, you know, myself and it was usually Joycey, uh, we'd, we'd go and we'd, uh, you know, sort of speak to a player, or speak to the manager in the morning. They would go up and like, so sort of watch training. And the players would normally be bored, you know, in the afternoon, not a great deal to do. So, you know, we'd arrange to try and do an interview with a player in the afternoon. And they'd be happy to do that because it filled a bit of time for them. And then in the evening, you know, we just have like, you know, wonderful food, you know, so, mm. you know, so you know, we could have a couple of drinks. Obviously, the players yeah. couldn't. And then uh, just, you know, Basically, you know, so do whatever work you'd had to do and just like unwind. And it was a great, you, know, you can imagine how picturesque it was in the middle of the Tuscan country, middle of nowhere. There was like nothing around it anywhere. And I think Walter liked that because, you know, so the players couldn't get up to anything. <laughs> and what it was, it was just, it, it was great. And you got to know, you know, so the, the, the people there, like, so really, really well. The only downside was the uh, the following year when we went back there, they signed Paul Gascoigne. And so suddenly, instead of me and Joycey being there, it was me, Joycey, and about 20 other journalists yeah, that all yeah. like flocked over because, you know, so guys, it was big news and so it wasn't quite the haven that it had been you know so prior to that but yeah wonderful place Walter more than anybody who tried could handle Paul Gascoigne couldn't he Jimmy well I remember him saying to me Martin I want to see him in the room in about 10 minutes <laughs> I went into his bedroom he's walking around with a pair of boxer shorts on with a towel around his waist and he went I've just signed someone and it's your job to look after him he's next door to you he said, any messing around, anything you're getting done, I'm going to do you. <laughs> and then when I found out it was Paul Gascoigne, <laughs> oh my God, he was like a rat. He was like a rat all night. Yeah. He's knocking your door two o'clock in the morning. He says, it's three o'clock, I need some uh, like glue for... To... <laughs> and what he was doing, what he was doing now, yeah. he, was, he, was, he, he looked at a team photograph, who had a team photograph, because we used to go there every year, up in reception, and he got a picture of the team photograph and he was cutting the heads off. <laughs> certain people and putting their heads on different bodies and all that and Kevin Campbell's head was on Walter's body so, and Archie was on Franny Jeffers you know, and that's what he was doing and and he got it all blown up the girls from the set they'd blown it all up and all. 
two days before we actually noticed he changed it. <laughs> what a good job he done. Another nice tee up there because our next interviewee is Kevin Campbell. Oh. Talking about inspirational signings, what an inspirational signing Kevin Campbell was, even though his first meeting with Walter was in a rather unusual venue. Yeah, it was actually at the airport um, when I flew back from Turkey. He met me at the airport and um, it was like, I was happy to see him, he was happy to see me type of thing. Um, we met and we we had a laugh actually. He was... He was, as you know, he was nothing like what he what was portrayed it to the media. Yeah, he was he was a gentleman. He was funny. He was humorous, mm. um, but he was definitely determined to win. He's a winner, mm. and um, I got that across straight away from him. Um, he was just saying to me, you know, come in. He said, "I've seen you play. I know what you're about. Just come in and 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 do your best." He said. We lack experience at the top end of the pitch, and you know, gladly that 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 was a uh, that made to be the difference and um, helped the team to stay up. But what a man, what a manager, and um, anyone who has that sort of success, what he had at Rangers, mm. etc., just goes to show what what the type of man he is. It was a bit of a protracted move in the end, and you were training on your own for a while. What, what was Walter like through all that, Kev? Well, he used to ring. He used to ring me daily, to be honest. And you know, he was a wind-up merchant, and he used to he used to ring me and say, "Tell you what, that golf course is getting shorter." You know, stuff like that. Because I'm watching you on Sky, and that golf course is getting shorter. <laughs> uh, he just said, "Look, I can't wait to get it all done." And um, luckily, we got it all done, and uh, I could become an Everton full-time Everton player. He was a very, very good coach as well as a good manager, Kev, wasn't he? He was. And, you know, a lot of the time he wasn't so hands on because of Archie. But whenever Archie weren't taking the training, Walter was an excellent coach. Very, very good coach. And I could see why after he left Everton, he became number two at Manchester United, didn't he? To Sir Alex Ferguson at times. So I could understand why. And Fergie weren't really taking the coaching anymore. He'd leave it to his number two. And Walter was was very, very sharp. Um, on the coaching front. He came as close as anybody to keeping control of Gaza, didn't he? Well, Gaza was scared of him. That was a great thing. Uh, you know, Gaza would play pranks and all that, and all Water would have to do is come in and look at him, and he would just drop everything, concentrate on the game, etc. I've never seen anybody have that influence on Gaza, that's for sure. <laughs> Walter was one of those... Fellas who enjoyed the good times. He made sure you celebrated the big wins, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he was, you know, definitely an enjoy-the-moment type of guy. Um, especially that first stint I was at the club where, you know, we, we put a run together and we started winning games back-to-back. -back. You know, he was saying, make sure you enjoy it, guys, you know, because you've responded to, to the challenge and, you know, you're winning games. Listen, let's keep it going. Go out and enjoy yourselves and I'll see you on Monday. You know, that type of half at the end of games. Don't enjoy it too much because we've got business to do. But go and enjoy yourselves, boys. You deserve it. And, uh, you know, you respect a manager like that. Was he good company socially, Kev? He was excellent company. Like I said before, the Watersmith you saw on the TV kind of seemed a little bit, you know, dour. But he was nothing like that in the background. He was personable. He was happy. He was humorous. He loved a laugh and a joke. And um, yeah, he was he was excellent company behind the scenes. And he made you captain. Yes, he made me captain, which uh, actually absolutely shocked me. Um, obviously, Davy Weir was captain at the time, and I said, "But what about Davy Weir?" And he said, "Davy Weir's agreed that you should be captains," and that was flabbergasted. But you know. Such a proud moment for me and, uh, you know, the fact that Walter Smith was the manager to give me the armband was uh, was special in my eyes. Really special moment and uh, I could never thank him enough for that. Do you think it's fair to say when you when you look back at Walter's time at Everton, Kev, it was the right club, but maybe just the wrong time? Yeah, in football, timing is everything, um, Daz. And um, I think everybody thought of Walter to be able to turn things around so quick. He couldn't turn things around because he, he the, the timing and, and the, the position of the club wasn't in the right right um, state. 
So he 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 tended to be putting fires out behind the scenes. Mm. wasn't wasn't the right setup for him. Um, he needed he needed a, a, a clear run at it. He didn't get it, Daz. And um, look, made sure the club was in the Premier League, etc. And the club moved on from him. I'm sure that I know that hurt him mm. um, because um, he's a very proud man. But you know he 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 done as well as he could considering the circumstances. When you're involved in football all your life, as you've been, Kev, managers come and go, you get used to it. But I know that the settlers that we had at the time when Walter left the club were absolutely devastated that he was leaving the club. Yeah, he was He was like a, a father figure to us all. Um, Walter Smith really, you know, put his arm around us in the dressing room. He would always try and protect the players, yeah. even though he, 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 he might not be happy with the results, he might not be happy with the performance. He would always try and protect the players. And that's the sign of a good manager, a man manager, a man who, who manages that football club well and manages the playing staff well. So, you know, we we took it quite personal that, you know, he was the made the scapegoat in the end um, of what happened. So very difficult time. And uh, as you well know, all the players were, were a bit gutted that he left. Look, again, someone with that, that experience, that will to win, that knowledge of the game. You know, it was only a matter of time before he got involved in football again because you can't keep guys like that down. And he had another successful stint, again, at Rangers, you know, his beloved Rangers, where not to be denied, was he? Mm. You know, he's not to be denied. He got it right. He got the right players in. He made the difference. And, uh, you know, he caused a bit of a stir up in Scotland, didn't he, coming back and and and, and winning, winning trophies again. So... Only Walter would do that. Clearly got genuine affection for Walter Smith, Kev. 100%, um, Daz. Somebody like that, when they come into your life in football, you meet a lot of people in football, but not a lot of people leave footprints on your heart type of thing. You know, you can meet them and you get on with them, but footprints on your heart. Walter Smith was that type of guy. Left footprints on your heart. And um, he's someone who, you know, you think I think about from time to time, um, you know, think what would Walter say? You know, stuff like that, what would Walter say? Or think back on a memory about him. Um, so sad that he's taken so so soon from us, but just so privileged and, and, and pleasurable to have met the man and, and been in his company and played for him. So, you know, many, many would have wanted to be in that position. Dave, tell us about the David Unsworth <laughs> the bizarre signing of David Unsworth because we yeah. actually signed him from Aston Villa, didn't yeah. we? Not West Ham. He did. It was uh, it was bizarre. That's a, a very very good way to describe it. Walter had just arrived and he'd uh, he'd spent a fair bit of money already on very good players. Mm. He brought in Olivier Dacour. He brought in Marco Materazzi. He brought in John Collins. You know, so all great signings. And uh, he wanted to buy David Unsworth. And uh, Unsworth was at West Ham at the time. And uh, the chairman had done one of his, Chairman Peter Johnson, done one of his famous disappearing tricks because I think he realised that the money wasn't there to buy him or we were getting perilously close, which is obviously why Duncan ended up being sold further down the line. And so rather than just telling the manager he didn't have the money for it, he just chose to hide and just went missing. <laughs> so Unzi panicking a little bit, you know, so he wanted to, you know, get out of London, wanted to get back, you know, so closer to home again. And so was pressurised and basically signed for Aston Villa. And uh, he rang us later, later that night and said, look, I've made a bit of a rick here. You know, so, you know, I've signed for Villa, but, you know, I still desperately want to get back to Everton. Can you pass me a number onto Walter, you know, so and see what he can do? So I didn't know Walter at the time, you know, so we'd only just arrived at the club and uh, we were playing Chester away on a pre-season friendly. And so uh, after the game, uh, I said to him, uh, Walter, can, can I give you a phone number? No. <laughs> I said, no, no, Walter, Walter, you know, just have a look at the name on it. Can I give you the number? And he looks at it put it in his top pocket, never said a word. And when all the other journalists had moved away, I said, look, I said, he's a mate of mine, he's desperate to get back. Uh, I said, you know, so he's made a bit of a wreck. I said, you know, so if you can do what you can, you know, so I know you were keen on signing him. I said, I'm not looking to do a story on it, just, you know, so if you let me know if things progress, obviously, but, you know, the important thing is just getting back to Everson. Anyway, obviously I didn't, wasn't aware of what happened subsequently, but clearly what he did you know, succeeded. He did come back to Everson, uh, about three million quid that, you know, the, the chairman finally found <laughs> to get him back. <laughs> and it was one of the most like, so, you know, so odd transfer sagas in history. He was at Villa for about seven days, I think eight days, mm -hmm. played one pre-season friendly and then uh, ended up coming back to where he really wanted to come all along. Everybody at the football club was desperate for it to work for Walter and Archie, weren't we? And it was, it was, 
circumstances were against Walter more or less from day one. After that game against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup when Walter did lose his job, there was such a cloud over the place, wasn't there, Jimmy? Everybody was so upset. Oh, that was uh, terrible. It was a terrible journey back as well. You know, there was no one speaking on the coach and things like that, and they were devastated. Mm. They, they they were winners, Archie and Walter. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. They wanted to win. Even they had tennis, anything. If they played cricket in the gym, they wanted to win. They were tennis, anything they wanted to win, they were winners. There were two great people who'd done well for the club, mm. and I just was devastated when he got the sack. Did he have a, any sort of leave and do and leave and get together, Walter? Yeah, he did actually. He, he actually took all the staff uh, to Manchester to a nice restaurant that he knew in Manchester, and uh, we all had a great afternoon. And I remember uh, they come with a suite and they had like cream cakes and uh, so Gillespie because Gillespie had a hard time off Archie. Mm. Mm. So he said, "He's sitting next to me," and he went. I want to put that cream cake on Archie's face. Just, I said, just do it. <laughs> just do it. So, so you, you think so? Is it? Anyway, once you'd had three pints of Gillespie, that, that was him. <laughs> He'd do anything. So he put this cream cake oh. on Archie's face and I, I went, oh my God. <laughs> and Archie just like wiped it down with his fingers and said, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> well, He's anybody brave, man. Wow. Oh, braver than me, by the way. A cream cake in Archie's <laughs> face. Yeah. Google Chick Young and Walter Smith, and you will find one of the funniest attempts to interview a football manager you've ever seen. We can't possibly play the audio on this podcast because the language is choice, yeah. to say the least. And I caught up with Chick Young quite recently and I asked him for his recollections of what became a really, really infamous interview. It was it was 93, I think. It was the, the morning after the night before Rangers had um, lost to AK Athens. Uh, and what you have to understand is that Walter and I were big pals, you know. We, we, we lunched together long and lingering lunches as well <laughs> many a night many a lunch Walter's missed the last train back to Helensburg but so the morning after night before I went to Ibrox he wasn't doing any interviews you know but I was I was able to walk around the, the, the place and retrospectively he told me that you know he told his secretary I mean there was there was no press conference as such yeah and tell me tell me go away and, and Laura, his secretary, said, he won't go, he'll stay here all day, you know. And I would have, anyway, set up the tunnel. He said, set up the tunnel, and we, we did the interview, and, and and I think there's been about 53 million hits of this on YouTube now. <laughs> anyway, he um he knew then that if he swore that I couldn't really use the stuff, I mean, different people would love it now, but back, back then, so... Uh, <laughs> He's telling me, and, and, and it all went a bit wrong. There's a bit that you don't see in, in the footage where he was saying that, you know, you telling me that Basil Bolly and Brian Lodrup aren't good enough for Europe, and, and I was just put the question as you would. Mm. I'd said earlier something about Tommy Gemmell, a Celtic, when it been cup winner's medal, but he would hardly be used to him now. So that, I think that's when it went a bit wrong. But it was beautifully framed, and Archie Knox came up the tunnel and tell me to stick his microphone up his jacksie and all that stuff so uh, the point of the story was that I eventually got about you know 30 seconds that I needed for reporting Scotland for the news television news programme used that and in these days there were there was um, in these days it was tape and used to recycle the tape but I kept it and that Christmas and the, and the BBC Scotland in these days they put more effort into the Christmas in-house tape than <laughs> they did in anything <laughs> they went out the <laughs> the telly. So I said, I've got this. Any any anything, any stuff. Yeah, I've got this, me and Walter. So it went on to it went on to the BBC in-house tape. And then somebody took out the building, it went on to VHS, it was getting watched around all the pubs. Uh, the news of the world, as was, phoned me and said, Look, there's this thing with you and Walter Smith. Uh, and I explained that I'd kept the tape, you know, that I thought it was funny. It wouldn't have existed. I could have just thrown it in the bin, etc. Mm. Uh, etc. Et Ten years later. The News of the World phoned me again. We're into about 2003 or four now. Uh, and the guy says, look, there's this thing on YouTube. And I said to him, wait a minute, if we go any further, what is YouTube? We had no concept. <laughs> so the boy told me what YouTube and this thing, it was a th it was me and Walter again. So I phoned him. I said, look, there's this thing in YouTube. And like me, his first question was, what the is YouTube? <laughs> so we explained, we explained the whole thing. 
Uh, and um, we thought, well, there must be money in this. And Walter said to me, right, maybe you know, some pound a hit. There was about a million hits at that point. We could get a million pounds. We could give it to charity. And I said, you do what you want with your half. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, the end, the, the thing, that the, the story, about a year or two before he, he died, we were out for lunch and he said to me, you know, I wish I'd never done that. I said, why not? He said, well, his granddaughter uh, knew what kids are like with technology and found it on YouTube and said to him, Granddad, why are you swearing at that nice man? And I thought, <laughs> yeah, beauty. <laughs> so we, we had many, many laughs about it. He was a great man. So you didn't have a fallout over it, did you, Chick? No, Walter and I, well, he, he fell out and fell in. I mean, we, there were many. Uh, I was a powerhouse. We became very friendly. Even when he was at Dundee United, and he was he was in, I used to travel with the Scotland youth team that won indeed won the European Youth Championship in 1982 in Finland, and there was only Andy Roxburgh, Walter Smith, and a physio guy called John Watson, uh, and even back then, you know, I got to know him very well. So we had a great relationship, and he was he was just brilliant, brilliant company. So yeah, you you would you would, you would get a row. And you would fall out. I know you'd fall out. It wasn't like didn't go any huffs. Well, other managers I could mention who've done well in England. So this, um, this, this what Walter was not like that. But but you definitely knew where you stood if he was uh, if he disagreed with you. So no, there was no long term damage done over that. And you know when he went down to when he went down to Everton, I went down to see him a few times, uh, and he it, it, it great affection. For Everton Football Club as it happens. Everton Football Club has always had a great relationship with with Scottish players, Scottish people who have gone down there over the years, you know, way back to like some Alex Young coming down, mm-hmm. I remember from uh, from 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 Hearts and, and and players, Scottish players who performed there. Uh, and even I think, you know, Walter felt it was a right fit for him. Even if you go back to the the main stand at Goodison, the Archibald Leach construction, the same stand as they've got at Ibrox, little things like mm-hmm. that. He took comfort in, uh, and and he, he, you know, I think. Well, I don't think I know that he felt. You know, it was a little bit hurt to say the least um, by the whole Duncan Ferguson thing when it was kind of sold behind his back and yeah. the financial things that were going on at the club. But he didn't feel comfortable with that at all. But but he he, he, he he loved Bill Kenwright and in the end, you know, it was a sad ending. And I think everyone at this side of the border and probably at Liverpool and your city as well, probably thought it would it would have got gone much better. And there were the reasons why it didn't. And I know Walter was he, he was upset that he couldn't do more. He he was a remarkable human being. I was I was absolutely broken when when he passed away. Uh, a dreadful loss, and, and and I'm delighted on behalf of um, the people in Scotland that the Everton are acknowledging, you know, that what the time is is would have been in his life, and I tell you, it would have been some party, it would have been some party, uh, and I'll I'll raise a I'll raise a wee glass, and and on Walter's behalf, I hope Everton survive what's going on at the moment, and. Um, that would be that would be nice. We saw it to to Walter if you can keep yourselves in that week. I was at the memorial service for Walter, and everybody spoke so well. Ali McCoist brought the cathedral down. He stood up and he said, "I'm going to speak about Walter the player, Walter the manager, and Walter the man." He said, "I'll start with Walter the player, bang average." <laughs> <laughs> and he also he also recalled the time the um, the Ranger staff got Walter a birthday present. Now what they got him was a, a framed print of a a famous diving header that Walter had scored whilst playing for Dumbarton in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. And the key information to remember here from Coisty's story is that Walter, at the time, was playing for Dumbarton. It's one of the great stories. I think it was his 65th birthday. And we thought, what, we're going to get Walter for his birthday? And Kenny and Gerante and myself come up with an idea. Believe it or not, during his playing career, he scored... Um, semi-final, 1976 Scottish Cup semi-final Walter scored at Hamden so I managed to get a copy of this photograph beautiful picture Walter flying through the air beautiful, looks as though he'd been fired at a cannon, to be quite frank with you getting on the end, on the end of this cross <clears throat> putting hearts one up, brilliant goal 
spot on. He was uh, playing centre-back for Dumbarton that day. And it was indeed the opening goal for Hearts, which they eventually won 3 nothing. but he did take it in the spirit it was clearly meant. The, the outpouring of grief from everybody involved in football just summed up how everybody felt about Walter Smith. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, Koisty, I mean, Walter loved him. I mean, uh, yeah. when we were, when he was talking about Choco, he used to like sort of regale us with stories of when he took Rangers there and how Koisty used to basically lead all the players, you know, so, you know, on the training pitch and, you know, so what they used to do. And there was, there was like a real like sort of father-son relationship there. But, I mean, I think the, the one that did it for me, I mean, everybody spoke so poignantly and so sincerely about him. And I've, I've said to myself, you know, so how upset I was. Uh, but seeing Graeme Souness and seeing his mm. reaction mm. and, uh, you know, Souness, the hard man of football, you know, so the manager who's seen it all, being there, done it. And obviously he was like so close to Walter and he was talking about his memories of Walter on uh, on the BBC, I think it was. And he cracked, you know, mm. so and his, his voice choked and, you know, mm. so he filled up. And you just thought, you know, he had that impression on so many people, you know, real hard people. Mm. And uh, he just got through to them because he was just such a, a caring, empathetic individual. Mm. It really, really annoys me when people always talk about Walter as being some kind of miserable old curmudgeon. Yeah. Uh, because that was like a screen he put up, I think largely from his time in Scotland, you know, so when the you know media scrutiny is so yeah. intense when you're the Rangers manager, <laughs> he used to put up this like sort of screen of being this like sort of bit, bit of a misery guts, you know, so just to try and stop himself getting caught out. When the cameras are off and you get to know the person, nothing could be further from the truth. He yeah. was so generous, he was so warm-hearted, he was so funny, yeah. such a great guy to spend time with. But also, like you say, so dedicated and so professional. And um, just, you know, so people genuinely loved the guy. And uh, it was, you know, the outpouring of grief, you know, so at his passing it was absolutely sincere because he was such a great man, you know. So, okay, you know, so all he achieved in football was significant. Yeah. Yeah. But he was he just was, he was a beautiful a person. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he, he, yeah. was, he was a top man. Kept in he, touch with you, Jimmy, didn't he, after he left Everton? Huh? He kept in touch with you, didn't I, he? I, I, I still keep in touch with Archie. I spoke to Archie two or three days ago. Me and Archie talked at least once a week. Yeah. And uh, he was just half Miss Walter, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm. They, they were so close and Absolutely. Out for that long time, you know what I mean? Last time I saw Walter, I was a guest of um, of Dougie Alexander from the Scottish Sunday Times at the Scottish Football Writers Award. And Walter was getting a lifetime achievement. And the, uh, the the journalists before, and I was speaking to one or two of them, they were all made up because they got a surprise for him. They got him a uh, executive box tickets for Crosby, Stills and Nash. Oh, wow. I think it was at Hamden. Yeah. And he yeah. loved Crosby, yeah. Stills and Nash. Yeah. So they were all made up and they, they, they make the presentation. Walter's on stage and he opens the envelope and he goes, uh, just like to say thanks very much indeed. Lifetime achievements, all these trophies with Rangers, managing my country, lifetime in football. Six tickets for Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> <laughs> and all their faces fell and he, ha he had them hook, line and sinker. Hook, line and sinker. You could see them all looking. Well, it wasn't my idea. I told you not, told you not to do that. Um, but that was Walter Smith, a lovely, lovely, warm, genuine man who was still missed by everybody who had the pleasure to know him. I was looking for a word that could encapsulate this man and his death with giant. So what does he leave? And all these players have come here today as I am thinking of becoming a manager, think seriously. And where should be the qualities that Walter Smith had, forget about it. It's a really difficult industry in which Walter performed for a long, long time. <laughs>